The trucking industry is crazy right now and being a broker can be stressful. Managing your invoices, billing, collecting, carrier base, and cash flow can feel like an impossible task. But I can tell you, OTR Solutions has figured out the impossible. They eliminate cash flow problems for carrier payments and ensure margin funding in just 24 hours with broker invoice factoring. OTR Solutions takes care of billing and collection processes with your shippers. And with lightning quick and accurate invoicing, your customers will never need another broker to handle their freight needs. Kick back, relax, and let OTR take care of your brokerage. If you want to know more, and I hope you do, check them out at otrsolutions.com slash freight hyphen caviar to see what they can do for your business. Or give them a call. They love to talk to brokers at 770-882-0124. We've partnered with Ascend TMS, the world's most popular and top-rated transportation management system. It's the ultimate tool for all your freight needs. You can use our referral code RA-FreightCaviar! to receive three months of Ascend TMS for free. It only takes 20 seconds to sign up and no credit card is required. You can click the link below to learn more. Uh, Will Hopkins, the co-founder at Black Box Logistics based out of Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Will. Could you give us a little short introduction on who you are and how you got into logistics? Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. So uh, I kind of stumbled into logistics about six years ago. Had a, a friend who, who ran an agency in a nearby town and uh wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And uh, he gave me a shot at brokering some freight. And, and you know, pretty early on, I, I decided, hey, this is, you know, what I want to do for a career. Uh, I was over there at, it was a Roadrunner agency, really mm-hmm. the, the broker arm, Sent Global. Was there for about a year and a half and actually lived with two guys at the time that I worked with. And after about a year and a half, we were like, hey, you know, we want to do our own thing. So we left and started a company out of uh, out of the house that we were living in. And that was about four years ago. So we were under some contracts. So we started a a third party dispatching company, which uh, I don't know, brokers are probably familiar with them booking some loads, they're yep. generic dispatchers, but we're dispatching, you know, owner operators, small fleets, just doing the paperwork, bookings, invoicing, all that good stuff. Weighed out those contracts. Then about three years, six months ago, we started the brokerage, which, uh, which is an agency model. So we broke our freight through a company out of Wisconsin. Um, and from there, it was us three in that house. And now we're up to about about 30 of us and uh, mm-hmm. been doing that since. Very impressive. I'm kind of curious before we dive in deeper on all what you just said, how is the like the freight market, not the freight market, but like the overall landscape of like freight broking and Freight brokering in Birmingham, Alabama. How does that look like? Because, um, like, you know, obviously, you know, the Chicago, Chattanooga. And yeah. is, it, is it like growing? Is it getting more popular? Like a lot of people working in freight? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a hot spot. So, yeah, you talk about Chicago, Chattanooga. I feel like Birmingham is kind of mimics that on a smaller scale. Uh, I mean, everywhere. You, like, so our office building, there, there's two companies on the floor. It's us and TQL. Um, oh, wow. and, <laughs> yeah. And so so what's really popular down here is is agency models and uh you hear a lot about like independent agents, like single man shops down here, people scale them. So you have lots of, uh, lots of agencies that might be running under, you know, their, their LLC name, but they're brokering freight under a company that you guys would recognize like Matt Center, you know, so, some big yeah. names. I'm sure. everywhere, man. Down here, it's, it, it is kind of a hot spot. I think that the, uh, the central time zone helps. And for whatever reason, Birmingham, man, they're, I mean, there's a lot of us down here, a whole bunch. Okay. Well, 
Man, it's something off off topic, but this is the funniest thing ever. My brother sends me a picture yesterday. He got a plaque from TQL, Carrier of the Year. (laughs) 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 Dude, I was dying. I was dying because my brother's company. So I used to work for my brother. My brother used to have a trucking company. We kind of helped him grow it. And I guess they have a really good rep there. So they book a lot of loads with TQL, you know. But I'm we're on the other side. We're blocked with TQL. I have a whole like cease and desist letter from TQL. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> so my brother literally sends me a picture carrier of the year uh, or like full truck carrier of the year. Or whatever. I'll send a picture to you later, Paul. It's it's pretty funny, but that was so, like off topic. Yeah. Someone from TQL might listen to this podcast and get you blocked. So, uh, you know, not, not get you blocked, but get your brother blocked. Just cause. Well, they wouldn't know which company it is, you know, so I didn't say yeah. which company. For sure, but, for sure. No, I mean he hauls good freight. I'm, I'm I know, sure. I know. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Nothing's an app. Yeah, yeah, he's a good carrier. Um, yeah, exactly. If he got a plaque, you know that that, that yeah. tells you something. You know, definitely. But yeah, that's cool. I'm, I'm kind of curious also about the agency model because you said it's kind of popular. Will out in Birmingham, Alabama. Can you kind of tell us more about what the pros and maybe cons of like running an agency model are? Yes. Yeah, so, so the pros are, I mean, the overhead to get started is is very minimal, right? Because uh, I mean, you have a back office handling the uh, the carrier pay, your pay, uh, buying the insurance authority, any kind of TMS software. So when we get started, I mean, like the only expenses we had, and again, like we're working out of uh, my friend's house, right? So we didn't have any outside money or, or anything to like really scale. So it's all been bootstrapped, and it's uh, you can really emphasize and focus on sales. So our first year in business, we did three million revenue. Second year was twenty six million. So oh, well. we were to do that under our own authority. I mean, there's there's lots of issues that would come. We wouldn't have been able to scale like that without outside money. Um, mm-hmm. You talk about being factorable, um, carriers not wanting to book your loads, having to pay, you know, same day you get into the nuances of, of carriers wanting, you know, half the pay now and then the rest on delivery, you yeah. know, people in Excel. Um, and then just the support staff to uh, to handle that much volume. Uh, they already had that in place, right? So we can focus on the the sales and and scale that way, as opposed to kind of getting, you know, held up with uh, the rest of the stuff that that comes with it. Okay, got it. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I, I've had uh, brokerage MC before. Uh, I closed it down, but uh, essentially just dealing with every carrier that wanted. Well, first of all, to get a carrier that would want to potentially take the load for you was difficult. And then to then, you know, have to pay 50 50 because you don't have a, you know, a credit score or you're not approved by factoring, which is a, really a pain. Uh, so that's like the first what first year or so. It's what, what a brokerage is typically working on. So you, you don't have that at the agency model. So it helps you just kind of focus on operations and getting customers. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, again, so when we first started out, we just didn't have the uh, the resources to yeah. do that. Right? And then, so I kind of gave you the pros, right? But the cons sure. are, I mean, at the end of the day, if, if you're running an, an agency model, it's not like really and truly like like yours, you know, it's still like I'm the a co-founder owner of Black Box, but all of our business is through an agency. So it's a little yeah. bit different if, uh, if all that freight were to be through Black Box Logistics. Sure, sure. Definitely. And it's tough to, if you say- so an agency- an agency that, model, if I'm getting correct, that's kind of like a global, what is it called? That company that- Global Trans? Great. Yeah, Global Trans. Or, there's another one, I think, that does that. There's a lot of them. Landstar does it. Yeah, yeah. Landstar, exactly. Like uh, Landstar, yeah. So that's basically what it is, right? You kind of go under a bigger brokerage, and then you just broker out loads to them. Do they yeah. give you leads and stuff like that? And then mm-hmm. do you get like different shippers like that? Or how does that work? No, so, I mean, well, 
you can, right? Like, I mean, they might have some leads, but for the most part, we're getting it ourselves. And so the model's a lot more common than you would think. I mean, you you most likely are booking loads with a lot of agency models. You just don't know it because, again, uh, the email address is going to be that corporate company, and they're going to be using that authority. Like, you just you just don't know. Yeah. Right? Um, like, it, it's super common, mm-hmm. a lot more than you would think. Um, and then, it, but as far as uh, our leads and our customers, I mean, we're our own we're doing things our way, getting our own leads, our own customers. I mean, we're, we're our own operation, just utilizing their, uh, you know, their credentials and their, mm-hmm. their, their support really. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. Uh, that's cool though. I mean, it definitely gives you an upstart. Uh, and I, I feel like one of the, the most difficult things of having a freight brokerage is cash flow. So it kind of like gets you to focus on kind of like, you know, focusing on getting customers securing, uh, that and lanes and stuff like that so i mean it makes yeah, sense I think it's not only an upstart but it probably gives you systems to follow too you know because i feel like in any business you have to have good systems in place and good software in place to use so i feel like if you do if you go that route at least you have you know c- certain systems and certain tmss to follow i guess or use definitely yeah, definitely. yeah. and so, so what we're focused on now is kind of to so talk about three million to 26 million and that that like i mean very fast growth is getting SOPs in place. You talk about systems, um, you know, because it, it was a little messy. Uh, when we started, we got started at a good time when the market picked up and it was just, I mean, there was freight everywhere, right? So we didn't really have a, a chance to catch our breath and get things written down. And, you know, this is how we do this or that. It's kind of just, you know, winging it. Uh, I don't want to say winging it. We take care of our mm-hmm. customers and our freight, uh, but it, it it was just a lot. So so now that things have kind of settled down a bit and we've got more people in place, it's good to, uh, Kind of get some more structure and, and infrastructure uh moving forward definitely uh how did you guys come up with the name black box logistics okay so I, i'm gonna i'm gonna mess this up but essentially my partner william the one that just got married that we were talking about uh he came up with it right we were spitballing all kinds of names going back and forth uh and finally he he had he actually had a separate llc black boxes something I don't even know what the business was. It was some little company, but black box, a black box is essentially a financial instrument, right? So you've got input A going into the black box and the output is going to be a greater sum. Uh, so that formula or whatever's happening in the box is the black box. Uh, so essentially A goes in, whatever B comes out, greater sum. So that's what black box is. And then obviously logistics. Okay. Got it. Very cool. Um, I always, I'm kind of fascinated always by that a little bit, trying to figure out. Um, we get a lot of uh, people thinking it, I don't know, they think it's something to do with the military, like Black Hawk, Black Box, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a financial instrument, actually. But uh, yeah, it was, and it's, it, was a good one. it was better than a lot of the other ones that we had. In the it's brain. a cool name. It's definitely a cool name. And I feel like it's more unique than every other, you know, like normal brokerage is out there, I guess. Yeah, well, we, we thought that we were the first ones to come up with black box, but I, I mean, I was at the grocery store yesterday. They've got black box wine. There's some movie called Black Box out. I'm seeing black box everywhere now. Oh, uh, I well, I like your website. Uh, just real quick, I, I like I like going to your website because it seems like it's really like friendly and also kind of authentic yeah. compared to like a lot of freight brokerage sites where it's kind of just like I don't know for like a lot of freight brokerage websites don't look good. I really liked your website and I thought it looked well and it was authentic and friendly. Kind of like if I was a potential customer, I'd be like, okay, this looks like a cool team. You had, you had every employee's photo on there, which was like, you know, cool because not everyone does that. So I just wanted to, to add that. But Bob, you're about to say something. 
Uh, no, I was just saying about the name that that it's definitely different and uh, cool. I'm actually trying to see the website right now because I haven't seen it yet. So I'm gonna check it shipblbx.com. out. Yeah. What is it? Shipblbx.com. Oh, ship. Yeah, or if you just Google Black Box Logistics, ship blbx, and it should pop B-L-B-X? up. Blbx. Yeah, blbx.com. And then if you go to the team, Bob, oh, it'll have nice. all the employees, like every yeah, photo. Which I think it just shows, like, you know, it's your your focus on kind of like, you know family oriented. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And your whole team is from uh, they're all from Birmingham, from Alabama. So, for I mean, everybody's from Alabama. It's funny the the majority of our people. So we've got kind of a a group of cities that's called Over the Mountain. Um, so I'm originally from Vestavia Hills, and I mean, 15 or so of our employees I, I went to school with, went to high school with. Oh wow. Oh. Wow another 10 or, or surrounding schools where we kind of all knew each other just from playing sports against each other or being friends. Uh, and then we got a few from, from North Alabama, but it's, uh, I mean, it's an Alabama office. We don't have anybody that has come from uh, anywhere else, really pretty much everybody's born and raised Alabama and uh, is from the area. So, I mean, that, that's been pretty cool to, to be able to work with a lot of people that I've known for a while. Right. Um, and see how it's kind of all come together. Definitely. Yeah. I've definitely, definitely cool. I've never been to Alabama before. Uh, so like, trip. Yeah, I, I, I know Bob goes there a lot because Bob, Bob greatest drives. state ever ball. Greatest state ever. Really? Are you serious? Yeah. I don't know. It's nothing special to me. I mean, Huntsville is okay. I've, I've driven yeah. through Alabama plenty of times. I like their bridges and they color up their bridges. Like when you drive through the night, you, you probably know what I'm talking about, right? They, they have all these colors on their bridges. <clears throat> it looks pretty cool, but, um, Huntsville's all right, but there's not, I mean, it's getting better. There's, I feel like there's more younger people moving in and stuff, but there's not that much to do. Like when I moved there, I would only move there because of my family. You know, if I like, that's maybe if I ever settle down or something, then I'll move down there. But for now, probably not. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of rural areas in Alabama, but Birmingham, Huntsville, they're pretty good spots. There's, there's things to do. And uh, they're doing some cool stuff in Birmingham, building some stuff. We've got to, you know, a lot of cities have major league teams. We've got like all the minor league teams, yeah. um, but Birmingham's not not bad. I, I enjoy living here, and it's I think it's a good spot for us to be. Okay, Huntsville passed Birmingham now, right? Like it, size wise or people wise or something like that. I read an article or no. I, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't think so. Uh, then again, I feel like Huntsville maybe they're it's a it's a larger space. They're counting the, the suburbs almost. Uh, Could but be. I would, like, yeah. more dense. For population uh then again I, yeah. I could be off but that's what i would think i think my brother just actually invested in birmingham and bought some um real estate there for um what is it called apartment buildings or apartment complex because he was yeah. telling me he, he was looking into something so but no yeah. i think the whole south southern part has definitely been like growing and getting better you know and they're just building a lot of nice and cool stuff so i think anywhere you kind of go any city you go to um around south it's it's definitely improving and, and getting better so it's pretty cool yeah so uh bob here's something that you probably don't know about will uh will uh is a freight memer on linkedin oh really uh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's how i got the invite on the on the podcast uh, <laughs> well threw one up and uh and i commented i said i like the meme and then he messaged me and it was like oh, i'm sorry i was i was in a rush i should give you credit but how about yeah. i make you and invite you on the podcast so yeah. i got the invite on the podcast you did <laughs> so yeah, you, you've had some memes like go viral on LinkedIn uh, yeah. for, for freight. 
I like the one with what's it, King, uh, the King of England, uh, King Charles. Yeah, the one holding up. That was a good one. Yeah, so we actually a couple, a few friends and myself, we we made memes on on Instagram. There's a there's a little Instagram page. I'll give you the handle off the podcast. Just I know which one it is. I know yeah. which one it is. They were messaged. Everyone was messaging me on Instagram or commenting in the the comments when I posted that photo because I didn't give you credit. And I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> which one is it? It's uh, uh, good to call me after. Yeah, well, I have to message it to you after. But uh, yeah, we started making them. Uh, I guess this is like towards the end of when Frank started picking back up. We we're just uh, just a little group message. None of those guys. Uh, we don't work together now, but worked with okay. a couple before. And uh, and we're all we're in a little just group message about Frank. That that Instagram handle is actually the name of the group message. And, you know, we're just in there, you know, talking about what's going on, this carrier, that this customer, just just freight stuff. Uh, we started making memes and send them to each other. We thought they were funny and we're like, hey, you know, people in the space would probably find this entertaining. Let's uh start throwing yeah. them up. And, uh, and no, yeah. memes are hilarious. I've been we I mean, I've been making memes since I was driving a truck like seven years ago. I think that's where I started off. And like my my memes in the beginning were so basic, you know, but then eventually when you're more and more in it, you're just like your memes just get even more funnier. Yeah, so more advanced great industry to to make memes, I feel like, because it's I don't know. It's it's so regulated, but at the same time, it feels so unreg unregulated. Like it's the wild west. Like anything goes. You don't. That's why I love logistics. Really, I come to work and I'm like, I don't know, like what's going to happen today. You know, it could yeah, be just totally these things, and it's just normal. Like I, I'll, I'll be uh, I was on vacation this past weekend for for a wedding. Actually, and I was around some people that that weren't involved in logistics, and I was talking about a situation. And they were just looked so appalled, and I was like, No, that's just Tuesday. It just <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's true. No, it's true. I was shocked when I got into the industry. I, I graduated uh, when I was 21 uh, U of I. And then I was like, I got a job being a freight broker. And I'm like, damn, I had no idea this industry ever existed. And when I found out like all like the shady stuff that went behind the scenes. And uh, it's like, it, it was just, it's crazy for me that like, I don't know, you know, when you're in college, you're like, okay, this is, you're going to, you're, you're getting educated. So you could step into like a professional workforce where everything's going to be, you know, by the book and professional. And it's like, you go, you'll become a freight broker. And it's like, people are swearing at each other, cussing all day, very unprofessional. You go into like work with shorts on and no one cares and flip-flops. And I was just like, wow, this is like an industry I never imagined I would be in, but it is a cool industry for sure. And there's a lot of stories to, to be told on it. So I guess, you know, that's what's keeping us all here, uh, which is yeah. definitely cool. Um, yeah. Well, I you... kind of wanted to go back in the beginning. Uh, you kind of mentioned something. So before you guys started your freight brokerage or before, you, I guess you guys were with someone else, you mentioned a third party dispatching. How did that work? How did you guys, how did you guys do that? So I'm just kind of curious how that. Yeah. How you so, guys so that's actually, I love doing that. Um, and it's, it's actually much easier than, than you would think. Uh, so what we did is when we set up a little LLC, the, the company names Compass Dispatching Services. And uh, so we had some relationships with carriers from brokering um, and we kind of started there and we started to get some try to get some drivers. Well, I guess like backtrack first. I mean, we, we get a little contract written with the transportation lawyer. Hey, this is what we're doing. We need like a like an onboarding contract essentially for our carriers. Gives us uh, power of attorney for like carrier setups, all that good stuff. Um emails, just some basic stuff, right? Um, and then we're getting drivers one of two ways. Uh, one, just previous relationships, but number two is where we got the majority and that has through factoring company relationships. So 
um, you know, the, these factoring companies, they're incentivized for their drivers to gross as much revenue as possible, right? Because they're taking a percentage off of that. And a lot of the uh, a lot of the owner operators or smaller fleets just might not um, have a great understanding of like what comes with, uh, you know, booking loads in like the spot market, right? Like all the setups, paperwork, invoices, people. Yeah. It's a one man show, you know, trying to do all that on your own. So we're kind of selling those factoring companies on, hey, we're experienced. We can, you know, drive revenue for these guys, take good care of them, make sure all the paperwork's in order. Like if anybody needs help, kick them our way. And we tell them, hey, if we get anybody, we'll kick them your way. But I mean, just to be frank, we never really had anybody kick their way. But essentially it was we get set up on like a two way referral. Right. You send us drivers. We'll try to send you drivers. Um, So we're just getting leads. I mean, really, we're getting extremely hot, like warm leads from these these factoring companies like, hey, this is this is Bill with SOS trucking out of Adel, Alabama. He runs three flatbeds. Uh, it's like looking for a dispatcher. And then we're calling them. We're just like, hey, this is who we are. This is the services that we can provide for you. And what the way we charge is a percentage of the uh, of gross revenue. Right. And the way that we collected that gross. So when we first started out, we were like, hey, we'll just we'll just tell these guys to like cut us a check at the end of the week or or Venmo, mm-hmm. like whatever, something super simple. And then what we realized is like, hey, like nobody's really paying us. Uh, you know, <laughs> having to it's like pulling teeth. So eventually we worked out with the factoring companies, hey, like uh, we're gonna need you guys to and we get the, the care on board with this, obviously, because they have to approve it. Uh, but cut our we, we charged eight percent line off. So hey, cut our eight percent when you're paying the carrier for their factoring fee, just disperse that eight percent direct to us. And so that's what we would do. We scaled it through factoring companies. And uh, once we got set up with the payables through the factoring companies, it was it was great. Um, man, super rewarding. I'm very glad I did it. I got to see a different side of the industry. I've never been on the uh, on the carrier side, per se. But also, we started that um, like right before the pandemic. So we're signing on these drivers that are also like a lot of brokerages have authority time requirements, 30, 60, 90, six months, whatever. Um, yeah, we're, we're onboarding or like brand new authority for the most part. It's like an owner operator that just got his numbers, getting set up with the factoring company, doesn't know where to start. They kick him to us, and like we can't book any loads because nobody wants to work with this guy with with you know four days of authority, and then also not. I mean, we booked some loads, but then the pandemic happened, everything was closed. It was really tough because the the rates were awful, and it's their first like taste of it on their own. And uh, you know, like we we started at like a really bad time i guess because everything shut down like new authorities so like it was i mean it was really tough sometimes but uh very rewarding and uh the business model is pretty pretty simple really yeah so my my question is okay so when you guys set that up do you use their mc to book loads for them or you guys book it through your mc and then just kind of rebroker it out to them so that's a good question um we we, we do it through their authority and, and the way i I kind of like see it or describe it as it's essentially like, I mean, it's, it's not the same, but it's similar to like an agency model with a brokerage, right? Like I'm an agent. Okay. If, if I'm dispatching for this truck, like I'm an agent of their authority, I'm essentially a 1099 employee, like yeah. working for them, right? Like I'm calling on their behalf. I'm calling on a load. I'm saying, Hey, this is my MC number. This is who I'm with calling about this load. And I'm, I'm dispatching it. Like I were uh, an employee of the company. And, and, uh, and also like for these companies, a lot of them, like, they need that, but they don't have enough trucks or like, I mean, enough trucks to really like justify hiring somebody full time, right? So it, it's similar yeah. to like, a, what do you call it? Like a shell, like a shell dispatcher. They've got shell COOs and that sort of thing, like outsource part time work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
that's the service that we were providing for those guys. And it was, uh, that's, that's kind of crazy. Cause you have to say you have 10 owner operators and they have 10 different MCs. So you have to mm-hmm. have 10 different emails, logins, right? Cause you got to hit them up from your email, from their email, yeah, or you, you still hit it up. Yeah. So I'm doing it. So we, we've got my email address. My email handle to this day is Hopkins at compass-dispatch.com. So yeah, like a lot of a lot of brokers are iffy about dispatchers that don't have like a company email handle. But the way we did it is we just did our email handle right. And depending on like who we were looking at the load for, we would just provide that information. Um, so it, it does sound like, I mean, with all the, the double brokering and, and scams going on, like it does sound a little... I don't it's know if wary of it, but yeah, but it, it, it is above board and it's legit. Um, and like some dispatchers will give give just uh third party dispatchers a bad rep because uh I mean again, yeah. the, issues, the issues with it is is like look, hey, we're collecting eight percent, so I'm incentivized by like gross revenue and the least amount of loads booked. So if I'm like if I am not doing a good job, right? Like I'm just gonna put book this poor guy on a load from you know Washington to Florida and Florida to Washington and not care about like his if he's making money or not, like, you know, some people will do that or, or they'll, they'll just not do a great job worrying about the carrier's reputation, uh, like overbooking them, missing pickups, not updating brokers. And they start getting freight guards. I mean, me personally, brokering freight, like I've had some bad experiences with third party dispatchers. And, and I think it's because it's, Hey, it's not their company. They don't really care as much as somebody that is yeah. part of me. Um, but yeah. we, we did a good job, man. And we really did care about those guys. We built relationships with them and we saw it as like, Hey, we have skin in the game. Their company is our company to an extent. Like, let's take good care of them and mm-hmm. do a good job. Uh, but some people, yeah. you know, I don't know. Like I said, I've had some bad experiences with third-party dispatchers. It seems like they don't. They just don't really care. Yes, so, they don't. Like, well, on. most of them, I should say that they don't. I not. No, it is. And I think the government recently just passed a law, or like I read something. I think somebody was posting it. Uh, somebody on Instagram that they passed a law where it, third. The third-party dispatchers can legally, you know, still operate in whatever the, the sphere of logistics. Yeah, because well, um, that's actually uh, what I wanted to talk about is because what I heard was there's like no regulations for third-party legit third-party dispatchers, whereas like freight brokers have some kind of you know rules and I guess regulations that to follow overall. Yeah. And obviously, trucking companies are you know very regulated and a lot of a lot of laws and rules to follow whereas like third-party dispatchers like had like nothing like no, no i think it's like it was relatively new and it was like something that never existed but even if you take into account like a third-party dispatchers obviously incentivized by uh by how much revenue they book for the, the driver they could also give them like lanes that are you know dangerous because they're like a thousand mile days and forcing them to drive more which which obviously would be unsafe so i think that's where a lot of the i guess maybe uh people's like bad opinion of third party dispatchers came along same with like you know not caring i think the bad opinion came where i'm getting a phone call almost once a day from indian people and they're like hey we could dispatch for two percent or three percent you know and i'm like yeah bro i don't think you could dispatch anything but believe it or not like when i to some (laughs) of them i actually talk and dive into it pretty deep and dude they know their stuff a lot of them, a lot of them actually know their stuff because I was asking which boards you guys use, and they're telling me all these boards, and I'm like, okay, at least they know yeah. something. So they're they're pretty, you know, they they get educated pretty well on on logistics or in, in that yeah. business. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was pretty impressed from the factoring companies. They would they would talk about people overseas in different countries that were because we wouldn't touch box trucks or sprinter vans um we would just dispatch flatbeds drive vans and sometimes hot shots but 
they're, they're like, yeah, we'll just kick those to, to this guy. He does it for like 2% in this country. I was like, man, wow. Uh, and like, they, they like spoke really highly of them. They're like, man, they, they do a great job. Uh, yeah. And some drivers are like, Hey, like you guys are charging an 8% is kind of steep. It, I mean, it, it is on the higher end, right? We did a really good job, but they yeah. say, hey, like this person saying they'll do it at 3%. And you know, at that point, it's just like, well, like, like I hear you, like, I, I'm not going to do it at 3%, but it, you know, if they will, like go test it out and they would. And I, I just check in with them. So like, how's it going? They're like, man, they're doing great. And I said, well, more power to them. You know, they can do it at that level. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, if I may ask, so what happened with, with Compass? Because uh, this was during the pandemic. Obviously, there's challenges. Can you tell us kind of like how that, like, you transitioned from Compass to Black Box? Yeah. So through Compass, we hired our first employee still with us. Uh, another guy I grew up with, went to school with. Um, but so, so, you know, the pandemic happened. Uh, it wasn't as great out there. And we we worked something out with our contracts. We were able to start. Uh, when we were able to start at that point, because our main focus, I mean, the reason that we left that company, we were all successful, like had big books of business. We're, we're doing well, right? We left that company to start our own brokerage to broker freight. Uh, so at that point, when we were able to start, it was, hey, let's let's shift the focus to the brokerage. At that mm-hmm. point, um, my partner, Logan, my other partner, William, and our first employee, David, they shifted to the brokerage. And then and then I got all the trucks dispatched, and we were at man, we were still at that house, and I was in uh, I was in the bedroom I used to live, and I moved out by then, but I would just sit in that uh that bedroom lights off, dispatching like thirty trucks in the middle of the pandemic, just every day, just awful for about <laughs> two three months, and then uh you know once I got enough business because we, we were still under a non solicit, so we we didn't contact our old customers, so all the customers that they were landing were new customers, right? And it was still again, you know, things were shut down. It was a little bit harder to add business but once they were able to add enough business um we kind of cut down on the drivers who were dispatching okay. you know, at the beginning when we first started it was like hey we'll dispatch anybody you know like we don't like, this is a new company like we'll, we'll take you ever and then it gets to a certain point it's like hey man like this guy's ridiculous you know nothing's ever good enough he's gonna like yell do all kinds of crazy stuff like brokers are calling me asking like what this guy this guy's deal is and i'm like man I, you know like, i don't know those guys you know, hey like we got to part ways we're you know there's we've got enough business now i don't have to justify like there's no reason for me to dispatch in this truck this is ridiculous sure. uh yeah know, essentially fired him cut down kept cutting down and then uh you know at a certain point i was down to maybe like three four trucks and i started brokering and uh and which kind of shifted to the to the brokerage Okay. Just, just wondering, I'm not sure if you could, if you want to share, but like at the height of it, when you were like dispatching, let's say around 30 trucks, like what were you making monthly on that? Um, so let me see, I do some numbers. So it varies when we talk about like 30 trucks and we had different types of equipments, different guys, yeah. with different schedules, right? Like we had, sure. there was one guy I dispatched up until about two months ago still. Cause he was, man, he was great. He was this flatbed out of Fort Worth. And man, he like, he was always ready to go, you know, like on the road all the time. He'd take whatever. It was never, he was just like, all right, where am I going? Like, man, he would send me a POD. I'd send him a rate. God, no questions asked. He's going to pick <laughs> it up. Uh, That's awesome. you know, so like that guy's, I mean, when rates were better, he was doing like eight thousand a week, and we're collecting eight percent, which is like six hundred forty off one truck. Okay. Um, but I mean, let's say, let's just say, like every truck is at on an average like four thousand. Yeah. And we have, let's just do twenty trucks. That's eighty thousand. That's six thousand four hundred for a week off twenty okay. trucks. Four thousand, and I mean, really, really, most of the trucks 
we're doing more than four. Most of the guys that we had were were pretty good about like they would they would go. Well, at that point, we were onboarding trucks that were like, hey, I, I want to be home every night uh, with like my brand new authority and 30 mm-hmm. foot. It's just like, man, I, I don't like I can't. <laughs> I've tried, you know, I'm going to let uh-huh. you down. You're going to be yelling at me. I'm going to be in this dark room, like looking at mm-hmm. low boards at 10 p.m. It's just not worth it. Were you were yeah. you working like 24 hours a day? I mean, I can imagine if you're on like like when you're dispatching by yourself, especially like just have your phone by you all the times or no? Uh, yeah, I mean, I always had my phone and when we were living at that house, I, when we first started, I was living at the house and we were working out of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, my computer was like my setup and I had a laptop, right? But I mean, yeah. I was always kind of looking, especially when, when those guys shifted to the brokerage and I took on all those trucks. Yeah. I mean, yeah like I was up like 4.30 a.m. on the load boards by like 5.15 and, and looking until about 6 p.m. It's not mm-hmm. like all the time, but I mean. Most of the day. Yeah, my, yeah. most of the day. Okay, so how, how how did you feel like transitioning from a company that was making money to like the brokerage? Like, did you feel like some sort of relief, or were you like, oh, I kind of like wish that we still had that operating on the side? Yeah, so so we, we did have it operating, just I mean, on a much lesser scale for like quite some time. But I mean, yeah, so, so the brokerage was always the idea, and that that's kind of like our. I mean, that was our vision, right? It's what we okay. set out to do. Uh, but at the same time, the the dispatching company was kind of like it was kind of my baby, right? Sure. I got, like we, we didn't know what we were doing. We left the company. We got to wait out. You know, I'm like applying at at Lowe's, and then I was like, "Hey guys, like we can we can stay in the industry. Like, we can dispatch trucks, and it's like all above board." Mm-hmm. Um, and I got really excited about it, and I, and I enjoyed doing it. So there's a part of me that that was you know a little reluctant to a bit for for a bit. Just uh, it's like, hey, like we kind of like built this thing, and like it makes money. Yeah. Um, but the brokerage is. I mean, it's just better suited for like what we wanted to do and, and what we wanted to scale, right? So um bittersweet, sure. I guess. But also dispatching all those trucks during the pandemic with brand new authority and and it, I mean it was a big relief. Like it, it was extremely stressful. We were talking about guys like, you know, calling like, dude, like I've got a family and like these rates, like I'm I'm gonna lose my truck. And I was like, dude, everything's shut down. Like I'm doing the absolute best I can. Like you pick the worst time possible to go get, you know, go get <clears throat> truck and all this stuff. And it's just yeah. it's tough. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I and I feel like it's not really scalable either. You know, uh-huh. the whole dispatch and third party dispatch. I mean, maybe in like a different country it is because for them, that percentage may kind of sense. But like in general, I, I think it's very, very hard to scale because you have to like run with so many different embassies. You're some broker is going to come along and be like, listen, you're obviously, you know, not like not that I'm saying you're, you're scamming, but he's going to think this is, you know, this is way too sketchy. I don't even want to deal with it. Because sometimes you could screw up the MCs, you could screw up the the DOTs, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So and right now, especially with with so much scams going on, I feel like brokers are so much more picky. You know, they want it. You they want to talk to the driver. They want you know all the information. They want the doors mm-hmm. to match with everything. It's 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 very very more. I feel like more strict. Yeah. yeah, it's much easier to scale a brokerage and kind of when we were kind of scaling back. I mean, there's some like outsourcing companies, right? I'm sure you guys are, are familiar with mm-hmm. with quite a few. The idea was kind of like, hey, like, why don't we like get these guys to dispatch these trucks? Um, but at the end of the day, what Bob's saying is just it's a, it's just tougher to scale. I mean, even yeah. getting somebody up to dispatch trucks and like be organized with the paperwork and not get MCs mixed up, it's um, yeah, you know, it's it's tougher. You know, understanding markets like if you bring somebody in, it, it takes a while to like, really understand like, hey, like that load, that load going to Lake Cavasu, Arizona pays a lot because like, there's nothing coming out. You know, exactly. Mm-hmm. Target truck stranded. I mean, even our first guy, Dave, when we hired him, we're like over his back. But uh, 
man, he didn't know any better. And we didn't have like real training set up. Right. So like, I'd look over there and he's like booking this load to like middle of nowhere, North Dakota. I'm like, no, man, like, don't do that. <laughs> Just don't have it's like you know now but then even like even then i'm like thinking setting up new brokers so imagine you want to book a load and you got to set up all these brokers over and over and over again for different mcs you know i feel like that's such a well, i don't know so, i'll be able to do that to be honest so more props to you guys for doing that if they're online if they're online it's not too bad the, the only thing that, that gets iffy is that uh you know like certain onboarding platforms you have to get an email verified right so you have to yeah once you're approved, though, I mean, it's super, super easy. Um, and if you have a, a carrier that's, that's, I don't even want to say tech savvy, right? Because it's really like the bare minimum. If they're able to just like know how to operate email and like forward something in a timely fashion, it's pretty easy. The paper packets are awful. You, I don't know why people yeah. still use paper packets. I, I just don't understand it. They're awful. Cheaper. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, the paper packets are always killer. But the online ones, yeah. once you've done it before, like if, if you get onboarded through, let's say my carrier packets, and there's tons of brokers that use it. Once you do it one time, it's just click through. Um, yeah, the mm-hmm. OIs listed. It can be a lot if you get a bunch at once, but uh, overall, well, when we talk about scaling, you have other people trying to do it. Then yeah, I, I, it would get complicated. Yeah, sure. yeah, that's, that's what I'm kind of thinking too. Because yeah. we were thinking of like kind of doing uh, owner operator branch because we do have we have company drivers and we have owner operators but it, i could see how much tougher it is just to work with owner operators because they're way more picky you know and yeah. they want certain goals and certain things to reach so it's you just got to go through them but yeah it's just it's just a whole different system i'm just imagine imagine all of them because they all work under rmc you know so they all kind of lease on to us and then we dispatch them so i'm just thinking like imagine if they had their own mcs and we had to go through each one and flip flop back and forth, and then I, I think the dispatchers would just hate it. So, yeah. it would be very hard to scale. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm curious a uh, little bit to change the topic, but it's also uh, when you mentioned the Arizona load, where like no one, nothing's coming out of Arizona from that. Uh, what did you say, Lake Havasu? Is that correct? Yeah, Lake. I think that's correct. You know, yeah. it's my from Arizona. Yeah. My time in. Let me know. I'm way off, but I think it's Lake Havasu. <laughs> What do you think of the current freight market and when do you think the freight market will improve? Uh, so I think that, I mean, I don't think it's great. Right. But I also think that you see like something like some sort of, I don't even want to say propaganda, but almost like the world's ending a lot of times, at least my feed sometimes, maybe that's how, you know, they've got me like dialed in. But I see a lot of, you know, doomsday type things. I, I do think that I don't see it a v-shaped recovery you know i don't see like a, a massive bounce back i think that um i think that there will still be some capacity to bleed i think that when things were really i mean a great a great example of, of what i'm about to get at is we had a long time electrician at our first office i mean been in business 15 20 years a whole like family business and he came in one day he's like this is my last call my cousin has some box trucks and they're killing it we're shutting down this company we're all we're buying box trucks and that's when i was kind of like man the end is near yeah, like it's about to get bad. Everybody starts getting trucks. I think that yeah. uh, I think we still have some capacity to bleed out, but I don't think it's it's as bad as uh, as bad as some things that I've I've seen. Right, like we're still adding customers, our volumes up, right, and our our margin percentage is, is stout. You know, it's not we're not really experiencing that over here. Um, definitely, things cost less. Right, there's certain lanes that we're running that are paying about 50 percent of what they were. Right, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it was it was too good then mm-hmm. i think some people have kind of this uh 
this view of of freight and logistics of if they got started during that time, like this is how it's supposed to be, right? And like that's right. it's not reality, you know. Like it's it's a tough industry, and and you got to like work for for what you get, and it's still out there. I just think that it's just not what it was, and I don't think it will be like that for for quite some time, if ever. Yeah, I I agree with that. Bob, how's the market on your end from like the trucking side? Have you seen any improvements since uh, I don't know the summer? Or so? Uh, since last yeah, week. I think it, for us, I think it picked up a little bit, but um, I think the loads picked up a little bit out of certain areas, like north, northern east, it kind of picked up. But then again, like the fuel went back up too, you know, so you're kind of dealing with, with that side of it. So mm-hmm. it, it really depends. And we're just lucky to have some some good brokers we work with and, and get good good freight, you know, that's literally what's helping us right now to get yeah. through it. Sure. But I can definitely see what what Will was saying. You know, a lot of people got into it and they expected it to last like that forever. And they just bought equipment and they bought trucks at certain crazy prices and they don't even understand how the business works. You know, they don't understand that it's not that simple. You actually got to get out there and hustle and, you know, and 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 uh, and book these loads and and just keep running. And yeah, so pretty crazy. Definitely. Those people will be out of business soon, though, if they're not already out of business. So. Yeah. 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 And then the market will improve. That's the, the and not only that, like even from our side, like uh like we were talking about dispatchers, a lot of dispatchers are just you know dealing with a lot of stress too, because they're if dispatchers are getting a percentage, right? A lot of dispatchers are getting a percentage. Well, they're making way less than they were say two years ago when you know trucks were grossing ten thousand dollars a week. Mm-hmm. Right now, if a truck is grossing six or five, you know, they're making half of what they were making, plus they're stressing way more trying to find these good loads to book for their drivers. Yeah. Well, like two years ago, you know, you had, you know, bunch of loads, just pick and choose whichever one you want. And it's going to be, it's just easy. Anybody can kind of do it. So I think a lot of, even from, from our side, we see a lot of, well, now I guess they're getting back into it. But before I, we would see a lot of dispatchers kind of quitting or, or doing something else. You know, they're like, we don't even want to be in this industry. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, well, what are your plans and goals for black box? Uh, so, I mean, we've got quite a few, you don't want to get into them all, but like I said, right, right now we're really trying to like iron up our, our operation, get SOPs in place, get a lot of, uh, you know, things that we can track, right? Like I said, we, we scaled from 3 million to 26 million in a year. And through that, there was just a lot of, uh, a lot of things that we didn't have in place that we want to have in place. Right. So, uh, we're really just kind of working on ironing up our operation, getting everybody where we want them to be as far as, you know, knowledge and efficiency. Uh, we're looking to add people, you know, we'd like to continue growing uh, at scale. So hopefully, you know, we continue to go grow, continue to add brokers, support staff. And uh, I don't know, we're at 30 people right now. I'd like us to be at, at 50 within the next year to 18 months, I'd like to experience some more sizable growth because we only went from 26 to 31, uh, second to third year. So, like another big jump somewhere in there. Okay. Uh, I'm curious, back to the agency question. Like, so obviously the agency collects some of the money, right? Like mm-hmm. it's like a percentage-based kind of fee that you pay the, pay the agency to, to work off their MC? Yeah. So so the most common setup and really the only setup I know of is, is just profit loss split. And I mean, those can range from, I mean, like anywhere from like 50 to 80%. Okay. Um, so, and then... As far as past that, I mean, there are different agencies or different companies might offer different incentives, right? Like you hit this, you get this or this or that. Mm-hmm. As far as the base setup, it's it's usually just a 
I mean, it's always that, that I know there might be a different one I'm not aware of, but just a profit loss split. Okay. Got it. Cool. Cool. Um, Bob, how's your brokerage going? It's all right. I don't really know, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not, I'm more focused on the trucking side. So I'm a partner is more focused on that. I just been super, super busy with the, with the trucking side. So yeah. he's, he's doing all that, but yeah, we, we opened one up about a year ago too. So we'll see how, how it goes. Uh, it's it's a tough business, especially in the first year. I feel like it's very tough, you know, to get into and find even customers and shippers and all that. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot of, difficult. Yeah. And a lot of like factoring companies won't work with you. And I feel like a lot of, uh, carriers won't work with you so it's like you're you're trying to solve two or three problems at once you know because it's like how do you get customers if you get customers then you got to get the carriers to haul this stuff you know and it's just uh, you're by fighting the battle i guess but yeah yeah i think he's I mean, doing good i haven't talked to him i haven't talked to him in a couple of weeks so i gotta actually hit him up this week and see how's he doing yeah yeah i mean and to your point it uh or to will's point it actually shows that being part of an agency helps you grow and scale when you know obviously don't have millions of dollars in your bank account uh which is the most difficult thing uh awesome well uh before we wrap it up just wondering what kind of advice you would give to entrepreneurs in the space um you know to i mean you've obviously had a built very successful brokerage went from 3 million to 26 million quickly rapidly what what helped you get there uh well yeah i mean i have i have a lot more to learn than I know, right? But uh, to this point, I guess the, the advice I would give is is to try to be a sponge, learn everything that you can, expose yourself to everything that you can, talk to lots of people, people that have gone before you um, about their experiences, what they did, seek constant feedback, and always be looking to grow uh, personally, professionally, and uh, and work hard. And, and in my experience, the, the results follow. Yeah, it's true that. I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, well, Will, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, if anyone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to find you? Uh, LinkedIn. Just just search Will Hopkins Black Box. Awesome. And if you follow Will on LinkedIn, you'll get a good dosage of good freight memes. Yeah. So yeah. don't get likes on the memes. Highly recommend it. Awesome, Will. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Good. Yep, nice meeting you, Will. Take care.